probably had a lot of old newspaper, though, you know. They yeah. had the museum, get yeah. some old Milwaukee journals there, wrap up that China. Yes. Yeah, not a problem. Right. Oh, that was part of a different exhibit. Right. You weren't oh. supposed to use those papers. Oh, I thought that was the packing paper. <laughs> oh, shoot. The green sheet. I haven't seen that in years. <laughs> Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in downtown Milwaukee, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Vetrano. 11 minutes after 7 on Wisconsin's Morning News. We told you ahead of yesterday that Milwaukee Public Museum was going to invite folks out to watch their process as they box up their artifacts that are going to make the trip to the new museum. The packaging has begun. Have you ever helped someone move? Oh, yeah. I mean, all of the folks there were given beer and pizza (laughs) for their assistance yesterday. Absolutely. And you show up and, like, this drawer is still full of stuff. Nothing's done. Come on, man. Right. Really? I'm here to carry boxes, not to, like, clean out the silverware drawer. So they have a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. There's 23,000 items in this collection. Um, which sounds like a lot, but if you look at it in the grand scheme of four million things within our entire museum, it's only a, a drop in the bucket. Yeah, so just 23,000 things are they starting with. Just a drop in the bucket. That sounds like the, some of the jobs you've been asked to do. Like, we only have 23,000 things. <laughs> right. Move. Should knock it out bef- before lunch. Right, yeah, hopefully. And then all of a sudden it's 5 p.m. You <laughs> right. still haven't moved the piano. You're like, you okay, still didn't get that pizza what? either. <laughs> Sarah Patejo there. She's the project manager. So, yeah, 23,000 items. Uh, so when do you start this? Here is uh, Jackie Schweitzer. She spoke with WTMJ's Julian uh, Johnson about when this process began and how you even get through it. In my department, I started planning in about 2019, you know, knowing the move was coming um, and knowing that we were going to barcode the objects as part of that process, we needed to make sure every object had a digital uh, record as well in our system. Yeah, so they barcode everything. They don't just have a box with a Sharpie that says second floor, smaller bedroom. <laughs> well, they were, they were boxing to- up like pieces of china and things right like Correct. of historic value so you, oh right, yikes you could throw that in a box <laughs> called dishes well, dishes and, and there's a reason why they did what they did first they did some like british china and some Brit- like just different pieces that obviously aren't going to be affected organically at all in some ways it's similar to moving your house it's just a much bigger uh, project. We have to think about, you know, how these objects are going to interact materials-wise. We have to have a lot of knowledge about how different materials degrade. So, you know, I'd be concerned about enclosing plastics inside of a crate for too long because they off-gas, you know, harmful vapors. So, we have to think about how these materials are going to be packed to not ensure damage, but also what they're made of and how it might interact inside of a Isn't crate. Isn't that interesting? So yeah. that's why they can get away with this stuff first because they know it can handle it, but some things you can't just put in a box and leave for several years and then get back to it. And they're moving everything. That's the plan. So they probably had a lot of old newspaper, though, you know, they're yeah. the museum, get yeah. some old Milwaukee journals there, wrap up that China. Yes. Yeah, not a problem. Right. Oh, that was part of a different exhibit. Right. You weren't oh. supposed to use those papers. Oh, I thought that was the packing paper. <laughs> oh, shoot. The green sheet. I haven't seen that in years. <laughs> That was an exhibit. So the move begins now. Of course, the museum doesn't open until 2027. A little box just called Egypt. <laughs> Egypt <laughs> oh, stuff. Oh, man. Who, who's taking this one? Where Bones. does this go? Where is this? Is this downstairs? Is it upstairs? 714, we got sports next. Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Eric Bilstadt and Vince Vetrano. The stars were out last night, Vince. The stars were there for the Bucks. I mean, Giannis and Dame and... <laughs> no, the real housewives. 
of Salt Lake City. We're in the house filming for an episode at the Bucks game, which I love, by the way. I took a picture with Dane. They did some other stuff. And they saw a good old-fashioned Bucks boat race of the Hornets. Lillard unloads and knocks down another three from the right wing. Lillard on fire. Didn't even play the fourth quarter. We saw a lot of finasses last night as the Bucks beat the Hornets 123-85. to uh, Dame really starting to come together, says the head coach, Doc Rivers. I think what you're seeing now with Dame is he's very, he's getting very comfortable. Um, he knows where his shots are. You know, keeping him above that free throw line has really helped him because he can see the floor better. They play the Hornets again in Charlotte tomorrow night. Also tells you about Milwaukee. Like, can you imagine 10 years ago, like a national show that everybody's talking about that people yeah. know is picking? You know what we should do? We should have you all go to Milwaukee in February. Yeah. And shoot something. Why? (laughs) (laughs) What are you saying? Brewers face the Cubs today. More on that in a moment. Lost to the Angels 6-4 to in spring training action Tuesday afternoon. Already feel like this Brewers spring training vibe for the crew is really good. Brewers new manager Pat Murphy, former coach at Notre Dame University, and as Notre Dame guys are wont to do, keeps talking about Notre Dame. Yep. Now, in fairness to our manager, Domer. <laughs> you got Dom Catronio there from WTMJ, host of Brewers Extra Innings. Some of these other guys keep poking at him yeah. about Notre Dame stuff. They're asking him about Rudy, the guy who they made the movie about. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't know Notre Dame football, you know the movie Rudy. So yesterday, Murphy gets Rudy on the phone. He FaceTimes him. We're so proud of you. You have come such a long way. You guys should be so proud of this dude. That's this the real guy, guy. <laughs> is unbelievable. Hey, I'm telling you. I love this guy. So, Pat, Thanks, we'll see you. Thanks, Rudy. <laughs> <laughs> what is going on? This is like this whole subplot in Brewer <laughs> Spring Training, fueled by our guy Dom Catronio at Al. Uh, speaking of Notre Dame, of course, you have Brewers manager Murphy, coached former manager Craig Council when they were both at Notre Dame. Council comes to American Family Fields of Phoenix today with his new team, the Cubs. We're told Tim Brown will be there. I'm just kidding. <laughs> What's that moment like? I mean, now, Murphy's already said they've seen each other since. Oh, like, counsel, yeah. Hey, It'll be doing? fine. Like your ex. Hey, how you doing? You, you look, You're looking well. You, you, and you look good, too. What have you been up to? <laughs> you seeing anybody? Uh, Brewers and Cubs. First pitch at 2.10. We're on the air at 2 o'clock with the broadcast on your home of the Brewers, 620 WTMJ. And Green Bay Packers news this morning. Scouts, general managers, coaches all descending on Indianapolis yeah. this week. It's the NFL Combine. Looking back on the Packers season, Jordan Love's First, as the starting quarterback, the architect of it all, GM Brian Gutekunst, was maybe most impressed with Love, the leader. One thing that uh, that was really gratifying to see, I think, was how our team responded to him as the leader out there. And, um, you know, they, they genuinely cared for him and wanted to play for him. And um, that's not something you can teach. Love that. Not something you can teach, You're not right. something you can coach. Right. That's the intangible of our guy. College basketball, the Badgers, you their season starting to slip away. They fall to Indiana 74-70 at IU at Assembly Hall. Man, there was an evacuation, 20-minute stoppage of play because of a fire alarm. Yeah, right when off. Bucky was coming back, too. Yep, they had come back and tied it, and then that happened. Coach Guard, man, I don't know. Here's what he had to say about fire it. Fire alarm stoppage. Have you encountered anything like that before? No. Just What were you being told in those moments, and how do you handle that with the team? Um, I thought it was a great timeout for whoever from Indiana pulled the fire alarm for them because we were making a run. All right. Now, come on. I don't think well, there's anything nefarious. you think that's nefarious. unlikely? I think it's entirely a, a likely. A middling Hoosiers team that is struggling to stay above water? Yeah, so. Let's pull the fire alarm. Some clown yeah. student down there? Well, yeah, who knows? Maybe. Apparently, it was some smoke in an elevator. Anyway, Badgers have now lost six of their last eight. 719 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Coming up next, maybe you've heard of this measles outbreak. 
Multiple states across the country seeing cases of measles pop up. Any concern here in Wisconsin? We'll talk with a local pediatrician next on Wisconsin's Morning News. A measles outbreak in the U.S. is growing. More than a dozen states now reporting cases as close to us as Michigan. NBC News reporting on the outbreak in Florida. Right now, I'm not sending my 10-year-old to school. There is definitely some concern about parents, about their kids being exposed and getting sick. Yeah, those cases tied to a growing outbreak in the Fort Lauderdale area. Right now, the outbreak being measured in the dozens of cases, but... Measles being highly infectious raised concerns across the country. Dr. Tim Richer is a pediatrician at Tosa Pediatrics in Wauwatosa, friend of the program, joins us live on the Tri-County Contracting Hotline this morning. Hey, Doc. Morning, guys. How are you? Uh, Good. Let's start with measles. Might get to some other stuff as long as we got you today, which is typical doctor's visit, right? (laughs) Hey, also, can you check? What about? (laughs) So let's start with the measles here. Been part of the standard childhood vaccination series like since ever. So uh, how are these outbreaks from time to time still happening? Well, there's always pockets of people um, who choose, you know, not to vaccinate. Um, that's, That's the biggest um, that's the biggest reason. Um, international travel is another one because there are pockets in the world bigger than the pockets we have in the U.S. Um, and so if somebody's not protected, um, they can, you know, pick it up somewhere else and, and bring it home. And actually, I always joke with parents. I mean, the risk of getting polio, you know, is pretty low unless they decide to travel to sub-Saharan Africa. Um, but it's true. I mean, if you if you tr- uh, travel to areas of the uh, world where there are higher rates of non-vaccination, uh, non-vaccinating kids and whatnot, then that's part of it. And then um, a small piece, which I think is always worth mentioning, and which is why part of the reason we need to stay vigilant is that there is that small number of people who just don't respond real well to shots. Um, and that can be, it kind of depends, but, you know, 1%, 10%, somewhere in that, in that range. And nobody really kind of shrug our shoulders and we don't know why. So, um, you know, so that's part of it. But the biggest reason is just unvaccinated pockets of people. Talking with Dr. Tim Richer from Tosa Pediatrics. So easy question, Doc. If, if my kids are vaccinated, if I'm vaccinated or whatever, of what concern is this measles outbreak to me, to the to the rest of us? But it's very, very little. Um, it's it's super sporadic. I was looking at numbers, you know, the last 20 years. In fact, I think the last time we talked about this, we were on TV. Yeah, um, so it's been a bit. <laughs> it, it, and you know what? And so, you know, that just kind of proof to, you know, to your listeners that this is, this will never go away. This will always, there'll always be this ebb and flow, um, and of, uh, you know, of, of measles cases and sometimes higher and sometimes lower, but it is always out there and it will always, um, forever, um, be out there. But I think, you know, if your kids are vaccinated and you're in a community that, that generally values that, um, both, you know, academically and socially, I would say you have very little to worry about. When you're giving a vaccination, Doc, what's your go-to? Do you flick the arm first? Do you distract them with like a little icy spray? <laughs> Look over here. What's your What's your go-to to keep the kid from wailing? Well, you know, as Vinny will tell you, um, candy has been a huge part of the bribery Ooh. scheme. Pediatrics for like Since your dad years. was running um, the place over there, yes. Yeah. He, he would reach his arm into the drawer and stuff his face with like a pound of Tootsie Rolls, but... Uh, so we don't have that anymore, but we do have uh, the suckers. And so sometimes I'll tell the kids to grab one in advance. I mean, not the 12 month old. You know, we generally don't put suckers in their mouth. But, um, you know, you can, you know, in all honesty, like distraction techniques help. And there are new cool um, little um, like massage uh, devices um, that 
that you can massage in the arm to lessen this the discomfort. Um, but I was just talking to somebody the other day, you know, there was a time when we, we reused needles like decades ago and they were so big. And these new ones, I always tell the kids, these are so, they're so small. Um, and so I think a lot of times, especially the four-year-olds, they look at you and they're like, oh, no, that wasn't so bad. Some are still really angry. I actually like, went to the step, um, right, not to violate any HIPAA laws, but I guess I can do it because it's my son. He used to, as you know, Doc, would freak out about yeah. getting the shots. Yeah. I went to the step one time. We were still in your office, and I recorded him on my phone saying it wasn't that bad. Now, whatever, And I played it back for him the next year before <laughs> we went. This is you telling you it wasn't that bad. Didn't matter. <laughs> it really didn't. Hey, real quick while I got you, too. Been, I feel like it's been kind of a quiet flu season. What are you seeing and still time to get vaccinated? Yeah, it's definitely still time. Um, flu A and B um, are both out there, probably top five, um, plenty of COVID out there. Still, we generally vaccinate for flu away um, to April. So trickle, trickle, trickle annoying drip of a faucet and other years um, there'll be like a couple weeks where you just kind of get pounded and then of course covid messed with all of this which is actually part of the reason uh, probably nationwide too where vaccination rates are low is because a lot of people didn't get their primary um, during covid by the way so again if you're one of those that missed your um, checkups during covid it's probably a good idea to get in there and and get back up to date on on vaccines but with flu there's there's definitely um definitely time i was looking up odds of green bay to win the super bowl next year Get, what, what's the percentage chance? Real quick. What do you think? I, it's like 20%? 4.5. Okay, so it's like a 22 <laughs> one right now. Okay, 4.5%. Don't worry. The Bears are even lower. I was but, trying I mean, to help you, Doc. I didn't mention that you're a Bears fan, you know, like, so I guess go to Tosa Pediatrics anyway. <laughs> um, so the mortality rate, right. So the mortality rates uh, for influenza and COVID ranges from 3.5 to 5 percent so if like you're a huge Packer fan you're like next year's the year and you're banking everything on 4.5 percent just remember like the mortality rate for for flu is like really actually pretty close to that um and there's always already been 91 pediatric deaths in the country so i usually tell people about 100 a year we're easily going to go past that and so absolutely um absolutely still time to get vaccinated to not be one of those 100 plus kids who unfortunately have a bad outcome with flu Dr. Tim Richard, pediatrician at Tosa Pediatrics. Always good to catch up with you, Doc. Thank you. Likewise. Have a great day, guys. Enjoy the cold. What positions is Packers general manager Brian Gutekunst most focused on as he's now at the NFL Combine looking ahead to the draft? We'll have that coming up for you at 745. Wife took uh, my son out for a walk at the dog last night after dinner. And I'm thinking, I'm like, boy, you better get a move on. You know, they kind of nonchalantly took the yeah. time. They finally go do it. Halfway through, all of a sudden, I see out the window just lightning. <laughs> rain starts Quite going. A show. Jumped in the car, tried to go find them. I mean, they were half a block away, but <laughs> thankfully not too bad. Went but to the rescue. Good job, Dad. Ar- around here, not too bad, but in Chicago. Across Chicago in the suburbs, tornado sirens wailed and... Hail anywhere from the size of a pea to a ping-pong ball came down on homes and cars. Commuter trains were stopped, and there were ground stops at O'Hare and Midway airports. Attention, O'Hare Airport. This is a tornado warning. Wabansee Community College student Ramon Mancia, along with other students, huddled in a windowless area at the school in Sugar Grove, where a lot of trees snapped and debris was strewn through parking lots. I'm not going to lie, it was pretty unnerving at first. Close to a dozen tornadoes have been reported, but will have to be confirmed after National Weather Service teams assess the damage. Jeff 
Jennifer Kuyper, CBS News, Chicago. Uh, that's something you usually hear in late February, but here we are. Right. February, yesterday was February 27th, tornado sirens in suburban Chicago. And today, right here in Milwaukee, high of 28. <laughs> right. News is sponsored by Annex Wealth Management's Money Talker. It's Saturdays at 10 right here on WTMJ. Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Eric Bilstadt and Vince Vetrano. Cruising comes this afternoon, American Family Fields of Phoenix. It means the return of Craig Council to face his old team. Skipper? Hello. Skip. Hello. Hello. You're, lo- <laughs> You're looking well. Yeah. You good? You good? Yeah, yeah you good. Nice. WTMJ's Dom Catronio reports from spring training. The day has finally arrived. Craig Council is managing a game in Maryville in the opposing dugout. First pitch is at 210 right here on WTMJ. A reminder, spring training games do not count. If you're wondering how this new rivalry will impact Pat Murphy and Craig Council's relationship, there's no need to worry, according to Pat Murphy. I've already met up with Craig for coffee. Already done. Done. Check. We didn't fight. In all seriousness, Pat wants to win, no matter who is in the opposing dugout. That relationship will take on a different kind of vibe now that we're not in the same city or we're not pulling in the same direction, so to speak, but we'll we'll always be friends. And rest assured, he wants to beat the Cubs just as bad as the fans do. That's what I want to. It's part of competition, you know what I mean? Like, you know, you stand in the way of something we really want, then there's going to be pressure on you. But once again, to reiterate, these games don't count. Craig Council's return to Milwaukee will be on Memorial Day, May 27th, at American Family Field. Reporting from Phoenix, Dominic Catronio, WTMJ. To the NBA, good old-fashioned snow plowing for the Bucks. Snow plowed. Yes, beating up on the Hornets at Pfizer Forum, 123-85. to The Bucks are undefeated since the All-Star break. They play the Hornets again in Charlotte tomorrow night. Then they head to Chicago to play the Bulls on Friday. So they're going on this little mini road trip, and it's possible... Cash Middleton could be going with them, says head coach Doc Rivers. I don't think he's going, but we don't know yet. Uh, If he goes, we think he may play. So I think it's that close. Middleton's been out with an ankle. The Badgers fall again to Indiana this after a 20-minute stoppage of play because of an evacuation because of a fire alarm. Badgers fall 74-70. to They're now... Mired in fourth place. Have not had a good yeah, run recently. Don't like how this is wrapping no. up the regular season. The NFL Combine is this week. Lucas Oil Stadium, Indianapolis, where NFL draft prospects, they kind of put on a show for the scouts, yeah. the general managers, and coaches. What positions, Packers general manager Brian Gutekunst, would you say you're looking to focus on in the upcoming draft? Not all of them. <laughs> yeah, all of them. Okay. Yeah. Jeez, coach. <laughs> hey, that's fine. Try not to tip your hand or anything. <laughs> don't, don't play your cards face up, coach. I'm, I'm good with that. Well, we do have a, a new defensive coordinator. So he is you know, going to be looking to put guys there that fit his scheme, or is he? I know we, for a fact we've always done this, but he's looking for versatile guys that can do a lot of things. Uh, I think you've got to be careful when you build a team of having too many guys that don't have kind of like a you know a robust skill set because when injuries hit they got to be do, able to do different things. I mean not for nothing. I mean these GMs say the same thing all the time. And it's not just our guys. You know, yeah. look at a draft. What do they say? The best best player, player available. available. Right. When our number comes up, we're just looking to draft the best mm-hmm. player. But one of the most interesting things I ever heard Ted Thompson say, former Packers general manager, yep. 
was, you know, when he was being asked, like, well, why would you draft this? Because we need this, we need that, we need receivers, or we need, and he goes, need fluctuates. And what you need in April may not be what you need in October. Ah. May not be what you need in December. So you don't know what that need is going to be. You say, well, well, we needed receivers. Why would you draft a linebacker? Well, two linebackers go down in camp, and now you're like, now man, what? we could have had a monster at linebacker mm-hmm. if we had drafted that great player in that spot. So need fluctuates. It's a sliding scale. So I will grant him that, Ted Thompson. One of the most interesting things. So what's it like to be in your skivvies and be tested, running, lifting, poked, all of that? We'll find out in five minutes. Yep. Talk to Tausch next on Wisconsin's Morning News. Idea man. You know the old saying, look good, feel good, play good. That is taken to heart. Innovative. We go and to surprise our fans and our, uh, as a team, Coach Alvarez gets us these fancy new jerseys that are white crim on the side. Everybody's jacked up. Oh, my God, these unis are awesome. They're hip. And Packers Hall of Famer. Colorado beats us by 45 points, and those jerseys never saw the light of day again. <laughs> it's time for Tausch on Wisconsin's Morning News. Presented by Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin and Kohler Services. Mark Tausch here on Wisconsin's Morning News. Sponsored by Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. All right, Tausch. So are you like cattle? Do they push you through one of the wings? Do they say, okay, here's your gym shorts and shirt you wear. Here's your number. Walk this way. Raise your hands. Walk this way. Run cough. that fast. Maybe a cough. <laughs> cough. Is, that, is that basically what the combine is for you? Uh, in essence, uh, yeah, you covered it pretty well. It's You get there, and you get a, an itinerary, and then you're no longer – Mark Tauscher, University of Wisconsin, it is your number 32 in the O-line group, and you get gear that will say 32 so that obviously everybody that is evaluating talent gets to, you know, it's easily, you're easily uh, looked at, and then you get moved around to different spots, and if there's, you know, a medical thing and they're prodding you uh, and there's something, you get sent off to get more tests, and it basically, I think the the thing I learned about that is obviously mentally incredibly grinding. And you're already on high alert because you understand that if you run faster or if you have a really good weekend, it could make you hundreds of thousands, if not a million dollars more because you elevate your draft status, that money comes along with that. So a lot of pressure and I, th- I really believe that the vast majority of the combine is the mental test that these executives put their players through because the NFL is a mental grind, and you're there for three or four days, and you don't know what's going to hit you next, and you have to be ready to adjust and to move forward, and I think they want to see that whole total picture, not only from the physical side but also the mental. Talking with Tosh here about the NFL Combine, which gets underway this week, underway in Indianapolis. So there's, you know, there's the physical workouts and all that stuff. But actually, Brian Gutekunst was asked a lot about the mental tests, Tosh, like actually the exams that are taken. We used to hear about the Wonderlick test, and then teams have their own sort of things. Now, if some of you who are high up in the universe, like looking for a C-suite job, like when you're hiring like a, a CEO or somebody at that level, sometimes they'll ask you to re- take one of these personality mm. tests or one of these things. Did you did you have to do those? Are those written exams? How does that work? So 
I'll never forget it. This was not at the combine. They did the same type of thing, the Wonderlick, as you mentioned, and some other stuff. But uh, when I really realized that this is crazy is when I went to the Shrine Bowl and the New York Giants had a test. It was probably at a minimum 400 questions. And I think a lot of us were thinking, hey, we're not even in school now. And I don't know if I ever took a test that was 400 questions at <laughs> the university. And what you what I kept noticing was they asked the same question. And so I think part yeah. of that test would be, you know, it was, do you want to be a dog or a cat and all that stuff that's you know, <laughs> been well publicized. And, you know, what's the right answer? You find out the NFL wants dogs. They don't want cat lovers. But the, the biggest part was that they would ask the same questions. They wanted to see your consistency level. Whether or not you'd answer the same question, if you had the mental capacity to look at it and actually just answer and be consistent with your answers. And you don't know that at the time, but you find out later that's kind of what they're looking for. Were there any story problems on there? train is traveling eastbound (laughs) at 78 miles an hour. Another train is coming. I don't remember if it was to that degree. I, I just I remember the cat thing pretty succinctly because... I didn't understand, like, what the hell are they doing? What is, why do we, why do they care? And again, at this point, I was probably 21, 22, so I didn't, I couldn't put two and two together on it. And I think, in fairness to the NFL and stuff like that, they, they're not doing that to the same degree that they've done that in the past. It's not, I don't think the Giants are still doing that test. I think people have pushed back because it's kind of ludicrous, but the big deal is they want, to get a good idea of what is going on, how you take information, process it, and that part I think every player has no problem with. Before we let you go, who is the most famous player there? Who is like the star strutting around the combine? Oh, for me, well, I mean, Tom Brady, but nobody knew it was Tom Brady at that point. Oh, that's right. Because Tom Brady was picked 24 or 25 picks ahead of me, and so in the late sixth round, I don't know if there was – oh, you know, I believe Don – it was Donovan McNabb. He was a year before. You know, Courtney Brown was the number one overall pick, and that at the Combine, everybody had a good idea who was going to – LeVar Arrington would have probably – both guys from Penn State that I remember we had a block and didn't do a great job against. I believe one went one <laughs> and the other went three uh, in that draft. And both – let's put it this way. You wanted those guys getting off the bus first uh, – me and Tom Brady would have been in the back of the bus where we would have kind of just slithered out after you put the big dogs out to, to show what mm-hmm. your team is about. <laughs>